Hi, this is Elizabeth Bailey, and you're listening to the Citizens Podcast from Citizens Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Often, Jesus meets people in the Gospels who draw us right in, hurting people, sick people, dying people, worried people, desperate people, overlooked people, overlooked women, overlooked ethnic groups, overlooked different cultures. And we see this compassionate Jesus meeting people over and over, and it just sucks our heart right in in the Gospels. But this man named Zacchaeus is different, at least at first, because Zacchaeus is a man who thoroughly belongs to this world and frankly is an absolutely terrible human. Look at verse 1 and 2. They reveal a lot to us about Zacchaeus. It says, Jesus entered Jericho. Now, Jericho is a big city. It's a big city in the Bible. It's the last major city that Jesus will visit on his way to Jerusalem. And Jesus was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief, note, chief tax collector. And he was wealthy. Wealthy on a government salary. See, Jericho was this a super important city. Why? Because it was the IRS of this part of the Roman Empire. This is where all the money, all the taxation came on in and rolled into Jericho. And this IRS doesn't attack you with forms. This IRS has swords. A little scarier than just tough to fill out stuff. This is an IRS that would roll up to your house with a squadron of foreign-speaking soldiers, hulking, sweating, demanding taxes, searching your house, threatening your life, and who knows what else is happening. It was a terrifying experience to be taxed by your occupier. The Romans had conquered this land, and they were going to continue to exact their taxes to fund the ever-expanding Roman Empire across Europe and North Africa. And this is where Zacchaeus fits in. See, Zacchaeus is described as a chief tax collector and wealthy. It makes sense that he'd be in Jericho at the head of the IRS. And in their culture, in this time, tax collectors were absolutely hated. Why? Well, remember, the Romans were the occupiers, and they would hire local men who knew the language really well. They spoke Aramaic, a dialect of Hebrew. They would pick local guys that knew all the families, their businesses, their incomes, where they lived, who was related to who, so that they would hire the locals to guide the Romans to make sure they got every penny of their taxes. So all the Jewish people considered them traitors, people who were helping oppress God's people by their pagan overlords. And we see he describes Zacchaeus as wealthy. He wasn't wealthy on the government salary. Tax collectors would make sure Rome got their share, and then while the swords are out, go ahead and take a little more for themselves. We see Zacchaeus was a wicked man to rise to the top, and a wicked man to be wealthy. This man was ruthless and greedy, and Zacchaeus is a man who belongs to the world, a terrible, fearful figure in their culture. Yet Zacchaeus 
in a turn of events, wants to see Jesus. The baddest man in the town wants to see Jesus. Look at verse 3 and 4. It says he wanted to see who Jesus was because he was short and he could not see over the crowd. He ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. This terrible man wants to see Jesus, but he has a problem, his height. He's so short, and the folks are so reluctant to move. There's a crowd that's usually around Jesus that apparently he can't see over the crowd, so he climbs a tree. And we got to ask ourselves, why does this evil guy want to see Jesus? Well, the Gospel of Luke tells us why. Jesus has been doing Jesus-y things. Jesus has been commanding fish to jump into fishermen's nets. In Luke 4. In Luke 7, a widow brought her dead son and he just tapped his hand and he arose from the dead. Also in Luke 7, he forgave a prostitute's sins, something that only God can have that kind of authority to start forgiving sins of people. In Luke 8, we see Jesus is speaking to the winds and waves. They're caught in a storm and he silences the storm with the sound of his voice. Who wouldn't want to see this Jesus, this healing beggars, that's healing the lame, this bringing hope to a desperate time? But look what happens next. As much as Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, we find out that it's Jesus who's always seen Zacchaeus. Look at verses 5 and 7. It's an amazing story. When Jesus reached the spot, Apparently, Jesus has a spot in his mind. He's arrived. He looks up and said to a full-grown man in a tree, Zacchaeus, come down, not when you feel like it, but immediately. I must, not will, not can, I must stay at your house today, now. So he, Zacchaeus, came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people, watch this, church, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. They can't believe it. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but we find out quickly it's Jesus is the one who's been seeking Zacchaeus from eternity past, arriving at the spot, ready to call this man out of the tree. Jesus knows who this man is, and he calls him by name, and we can miss the power of this. It'd be easy to overlook it because people knew Zacchaeus' name because he was evil and because people feared him, but Jesus knows his name because he's come to find him. See, Jesus comes and finds lost people all the time. Jesus has always seen Zacchaeus, and he's seen both him, Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus' whole story. And this matters because I left out a key detail in describing Zacchaeus. People have probably chosen, chosen not to see Zacchaeus his whole life but rather ignored Zacchaeus since he was a little boy and marginalized him. See, the text says that Zacchaeus was short, so short that he couldn't see over the crowds, and apparently no one was letting him come to the front. But you got to remember a couple of things. Remember, these crowds were packed with children. People made room for the front. There was a way to get to the front. Number two, Jericho wasn't full of NBA-hype players. 
It wasn't a town of tall people and one short guy. Number three, the word used to describe Zacchaeus is actually helikomikros in Greek, which means notably short, but also in ancient Greek literature, it describes the medical condition of dwarfism, or as we know today, little people in our language. And when we realize he was short, so short his tippy toes wouldn't work and a stool wouldn't do, and we add in that no one was going to let him the front, and then we think about in verse 7 that the crowd recoils at the thought of this man that Jesus would even eat with this guy, we realize this crowd isn't made up of like overly judgmental Pharisees who are scandalized by everything. These are everyday folks of Jericho, everyday folks who showed up and showed out to come hear about the salvation of Jesus and maybe see a miracle. Everyday folks who should be rejoicing that the tormentor of them, the baddest man in town, is coming to Jesus. And we see that deep down, these everyday people must have believed something bigger, that Zacchaeus was off limits to the grace of God. Whether he was an actual little person or not, we must remember people who were small then were treated differently, much worse than today. And it was across all the cultures that would be clashing that day. In Roman culture, oppressed little people. In their own family, they often would choose not to feed or feed very little the smallest of siblings. Choose not to educate people that seems smaller or weaker. In Greek culture, often assigned sexual perversion to little people and would consign them to go work in pagan temples as a prostitute all of their life. Jewish culture was no better. They shied away from any physical abnormality, believing that they or their family must be especially big sinners and somehow accursed, and that's how they got that way, and therefore they shouldn't be included in normal life. And we see that as evidence, like John 9 with the blind man. And suddenly we have this picture of Zacchaeus that reads more like a villain origin story in a Marvel movie. That Zacchaeus has likely been an outsider in Jericho long before he became a terrible outcast as a tax collector. See, the evil done to us often shapes us, church. It sticks inside us, and our shame rots us from the inside out. Undealt with evil in our soul can make us into monsters. So we see the baddest man of town has probably been abused for most of his life. Zacchaeus' sins, his choices are still his. He is guilty of being a traitor. He's guilty of being a thief. He's probably linked to horrible assaults and even murders at his direction. But the grace of Jesus looks at monsters in the face and calls them by their real name. He doesn't call him a monster. He doesn't call him evil. Jesus looks into the tree and says, Zacchaeus, it's time to get out of the tree. I must eat with you in your home tonight. The lies are going to stop now. Zacchaeus just wanted a glimpse of Jesus, and now he's having dinner 
with God himself. Jesus calls and Zacchaeus comes down with joy. The crowd doesn't matter to Jesus or Zacchaeus. They're angry at God's salvation at work. They couldn't be more wrong with what's going on. God is doing something amazing and nobody gets it except Jesus and this man who's ready to welcome him in. The worst sinner they know went from obeying God from not obeying God to literally obeying God's every word. If you want to know what salvation is like, it's just like that. You go from not obeying God to wanting to obey God the more you learn and know. They should be dancing at Jesus' power and love powerfully at work in their community. But the evil man is now obeying the Lord. But instead of cheering Jesus on, they're grumbling at the scandalous grace of Jesus that saves absolutely anyone. See, Jesus doesn't save good people because they deserve it. Jesus finds lost people and brings spiritually dead people to life. And the truth of God's word is that we're all lost and we're all spiritually dead. It doesn't matter how we compare in our good and bad deeds versus our neighbor, our coworker, or, or, or in our culture, or our family member. All that doesn't matter. The Bible teaches we're all up a tree and we got no way home. There is only one God, only one salvation, and it is through the precious grace of Jesus Christ who calls dead spiritually people to life. Jesus delights in seeking and finding and making us come alive to follow him. He delights in taking outcasts in our society and making them insiders to the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus does. To eat with someone in their home, in their low security world, is to say, I trust you and we're friends. To know where someone lives in their culture is a powerful thing. And he welcomes the Lord in. See, Jesus is rewriting this man's story in a moment. Look how Jesus changes him in verse 8. It says, Zacchaeus stood up, apparently, and they're in the house now, and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. See, Zacchaeus doesn't buy his salvation. Instead, Zacchaeus now belongs to Jesus and is a changed person. He was a man that once belonged to greed, once belonged to money, once belonged to his own revenge, once belonged to getting even, and now belongs to a merciful Jesus that makes him go broke. You don't have to be Dave Ramsey to figure this out, church. If you give half your stuff away, and then you made all your money by stealing... And Exodus 22.1 tells us you should pay back, if you're a thief, pay everyone back four times the amount. So now he's literally following the letter of the law. He ain't going to have any money left. Zacchaeus has gone broke to follow Jesus, and he don't care because he has Jesus. Amen? 
See, when you find the most worthy, valuable thing in the universe of Jesus, of course you obey. You'd be insane not to obey the only Savior. You'd be insane not to obey the Lord of all. You'd be insane to not obey the King of a kingdom that has come and is coming. And Zacchaeus, for the first time in his life, sees it all clearly. Does he have a lifetime of work to work through all the guilt and shame of what he's done, all the pain that he's had in his life? Absolutely. And guess who's here for it? Jesus. That doesn't stop him from changing, though. You can change and obey and still be a work in progress. It's not either or, it's both and in the kingdom of God. Jesus saves us in the moment and sanctifies us or grows us or makes us holy for a lifetime. And Jesus comes and eats in his house today because one day Zacchaeus is coming home with Jesus. And that's the truth for everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ. He invites you to dine with him now and forevermore. Jesus has come for us. Jesus wrecked Zacchaeus' plans, his life, and Zacchaeus apparently doesn't care. Jesus is seeking Zacchaeus, and the only proper response to a God who's seeking you is to surrender. It's not a negotiation. Who are you going to negotiate with? What leverage do you have as a spiritually dead person who desperately needs someone who wants to die on your behalf? Of course he surrenders all. That's the only option. See, you know you've received the Lord when you see he's the only option. I don't have any other options. That's why people find the Lord all the time when they're at the end of their rope in life. Because they realize I don't have any options. And Jesus comes and seeks us. Jesus loves us. And here's the beautiful part. Because Jesus never misspeaks. He never, mis- never says the wrong thing. I do that all the time. Jesus does that none of the time. Look how perfect the phrase is here. It says, salvation to Zacchaeus, a son of Abraham. Jesus alludes all the way call back thousands of years to Genesis 12. And he said, once upon a time, God promised Abraham not by works, but by grace, that I would bring salvation to the earth and have a treasured people in possession to call my own. And the guy that no one wanted to touch, couldn't be near the crowd, left out his whole life. Jesus says, that guy's the son of Abraham, and I'm going to his house today. See, salvation means you go from being a spiritual orphan to an adopted son or daughter of God forever. If you are in Christ, you're part of Genesis 12's promise. It's thousands of years old, and it's coming true day by day until the Lord returns. Jesus meets us where we are no matter our sins, our story, our shame, but Jesus loves us too much to leave us there. The love of Jesus changes us. No one who receives Jesus stays the same. Zacchaeus had to come down out of that tree. Jesus changes us from the inside out that we want to right our wrongs. We want to obey everything we learn from Jesus's Bible. We apologize. We forgive. We want to repay. We drop our career like that if it's wicked like Zacchaeus. 
this. Simply those who Jesus truly finds, they turn from one life to go and follow Jesus. They no longer are the leader of their lives. We must remember in a Southern Christian culture where we act like Jesus follows us around like a butler or or a helper or, or like a life coach. That's just not true. If you take Jesus as Savior, he's also Lord of your life. We follow him. We must follow this Lord. He's not just a friend or a spiritual guru or an add-on. He is the true God. And here's the truth. This God is coming after you. Look at verse 10 says again. It's one of my favorite lines in scripture. I know I say that too much. For the son of man. That's Jesus' favorite title from himself. It's from the book of Daniel. He says the son of man. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Here's the truth, church. If you can hear my voice reading these scriptures, the Spirit of God is moving, and that's still valid for you. Until the Lord comes back, Jesus is seeking and saving the lost, including today, including this minute, including every second of your life. We like this analogy, I'm running hard after Jesus. The problem with that is God ain't playing hide and seek. He's coming to find you. If you think you're in the building, I was a mistake today, I got bad news for you. Wherever the word of God is preached, God is God coming to seek and find and save and bring new life where there's death in your life to ask you to come out of the tree because he wants to dine with you. Jesus is never looking for a transaction with you. He is always looking to start a relationship with you where he is Lord and he brings a new life from the inside out. God's mission isn't over. He's asking people to dine with him all the time. And the power of salvation is this. See, the gospel of Luke will end where all the gospels do. There'll be another angry crowd guided by angry leaders offended at the scandalous grace of Jesus. Those same Romans will be back, this time to crucify Jesus on a cross, often called a tree in the Bible. Jesus dies for Zacchaeus' sins and yours, so you can be forgiven by grace through faith. That all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, all who repent of sins and believe, We'll find salvation through the tree that Jesus was pinned on. Not for his sins or wrongdoing, but for all the sins of the world, for all the sins of his church. That he would die for those sins and then rise from the dead victorious over Satan, death itself, and all of our sin. So that Jesus can actually save you all the way from the inside out, from now to eternity. And the question is, are you going to get out of the tree today? Because Jesus is here by his spirit and his word, and he's calling you, saying, I want to dine with you. Whether you've never received Christ genuinely, as you look in your life, you're, you're kind of religious, or maybe you're not at all, But if you'd like to receive this merciful God that comes to the baddest man that you encounter in the whole Bible and the whole story of Luke, 
And he offers grace to him. He offers it to you too. You can start a new life with Jesus today. Maybe it's time for you. You've been a believer for a while. And I don't know what it was. But you went up in a tree of shame a long time ago. Because you don't want to talk about it with Jesus. We can talk about money. We can talk about future. But I don't, I don't want to talk about this part of my life and this part of my life. I want to talk about my family. I want to talk about whatever. Jesus is inviting you to come down and dine. Jesus is inviting you to come let this presence and spirit of God start to heal you. Jesus is here in his love and he's here for you, church. He died on a tree and rose again to make us rise from the dead, starting right now in our hearts and one day forevermore. See, Jesus goes to the tree, the cross, not just for sympathetic figures, but for terrible people like you and me. And this is the scandal of the gospel because no one deserves salvation. Yet here's the God of the universe dying for ill-deserving people. Like Zacchaeus, like us. And we can only cultivate and seek Birmingham's good if we first belong to Jesus. The rest doesn't matter. The good deeds, not important, unless we are a people who belong to Jesus all the way down. Jesus is asking you out of the tree to come home with him today and to belong. Salvation starts with Jesus' seeking and ends with our surrender. You can belong to Jesus today. You've been listening to the Citizens Church Podcast. Special thanks to Murphy DX, who recorded our theme music. If you'd like to learn more about Citizens Church in Birmingham, Alabama, you can visit us on our website at citizensbhm.com or on the usual suspects, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.